The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 341, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, March 10th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air twice a week with Wednesday nights being MMA and wrestling focused. And Thursday nights we go into gaming, sometimes a little tech and entertainment as well. Uh, This show is being simulcast in audio and video formats. The following places Uh, video is currently live streaming to YouTube live, Twitch, Vaughn live, stream up, restream IO and hopefully daily motion as well, which we're still trying to work the bugs out. Audio is being simulcast on Mixler, but it is also being simulcast on Blog Talk Radio as well. So you can listen that way. Um, you can also, um, I should have muted that. Thank you, Slick, for that pleasant reminder. <laughs> Always forget to mute the phone before we go on air. Anyway, um, video, ver- um, not video, audio versions are live streaming, as I said, on Mixler and also on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to mtrlive.com. We have a couple of different video players there for you to watch the video feed. And we also have the audio feed there as well. It is a tabbed interface. So just click any of the tabs that are there to choose whichever version of the show you would like to listen to. Uh, If you hear any echoes, you can always mute one of them and you can listen to the show that way. Whichever preference works best for you. Uh, a couple of things before we get into tonight's broadcast, which I want to discuss. Uh, the next contest that we are going to be announcing uh, is the winners of Slick's Rainbow Moon contest. We're going to be announcing that uh, during the gaming segment. Slick will be coming on board, and we will be announcing the winners of that contest. Uh, next up, after that, we are working on three awesome contests for you guys. Uh, the first one is going to be tied in to Superman and versus Batman Dawn of Justice. And uh, we're going to be giving away two Rock'em Sock'em robot style Batman and Superman 
box sets. And we are also going to give as a second prize one movie quality uh, Batman figure as well, courtesy of our friends at Mattel. Uh, We're hopefully going to start that contest probably next week, and we are probably going to run it up until the Thursday before uh, Superman and Batman hit the uh, Batman versus Superman, excuse me, hit theaters. Um, The thing about that is that we're going to definitely try and make you guys work a little harder. It's not going to be the usual answer this question uh, only because there are quite a few prizes up for grabs. In addition, our friends at Entertainment Earth are looking to partner with us once again after the huge success on our last pop giveaway. uh, We're going to be giving away four pops from the Hateful Eight. Uh, We're going to be announcing that within the next couple of days as well, and we're going to be working on criteria for that contest. I'm going to be working on that over the course of the weekend and really looking forward to launching that contest. Our friends at Entertainment Earth really appreciated the turnout for our last contest, so definitely uh, props to everyone who entered. As always, there's going to be tons of contests, tons of giveaways in the future, and we're going to try and definitely make that something that is ongoing. As I always say, we don't want to keep the stuff, so we definitely love giving it away, and I know you guys love trying your chance to win something. Uh, We've had countless listeners win some really awesome prizes from cell phones to video games, action figures, uh, big box sets, all kinds of stuff. I even have some DVDs that I'm looking to give away as well, including some Digimon and Rooster Teeth stuff, which I have that's going to also be given away. Uh, those are probably going to be given away on Instagram or maybe Twitter. Uh, we're going to try a couple of different things, or maybe we'll go Snapchat for that. I think that going Snapchat for that contest might be really cool. Uh, we'll see what happens, but we're definitely going to try and you know reach out to all the different people that follow our different social media channels, so definitely keep it locked for that. As many of you know, we are continuing to make improvements and enhancements at the Rageworks Studios to give you guys a better experience with the show. Uh, Next up, we're probably going to be doing some upgrades to our video feed uh, with regards to the cameras that we are using. Uh, Right now, we are recording this show in 1080p, and we are streaming in 720, only because the 1080 feed from the last couple of shows had its own fair share of issues a little thing that we're trying to work on and um, hopefully we will have that resolved sooner rather than later Uh, with regards to new content obviously we got two episodes of mtr on deck Uh, we got new episodes of black is the new black and we have one episode of the regular season sports cast and also a special overtime edition of trss Uh, that's a pilot for a brand new show that may be debuting on the Rageworks Network in the coming months. Uh, It's going to be with Josie's Boy and Jay Santee, so definitely check it out if you are a fan of TRSS or if you're a fan of Josie's Boy's work. Uh, He's definitely been a TRSS regular on prior episodes, and I think that the work that him and Jay are doing is really cool. Something a little different off the beaten path, much like all our other shows And I hope you guys check it out. The response so far has been really positive. I'm really excited to see what they're doing uh, with future episodes. And I think once those guys hit their stride, it may prove to be another awesome addition to the Rageworks Network. 
Uh, for those of you that have asked, yes, we are still in process of rebranding the My Take Radio feed as the RageWorks Network. And in addition to that, we are also working on doing individual feeds for the show. But uh, in the interim, you can subscribe via RSS to any of the individual shows. Uh, just click on any show title on the RageWorks site and take that RSS feed and dump it into iTunes or your favorite uh, podcatcher of choice, and you'll be able to get the shows that way straight to whatever service you are using. Again, we are working on the individual feeds to go on um, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, etc., but we, did what have, we do have a solution in place if you guys want to use that. Another thing I want to address, and I mentioned this last week, I know many of you have been asking about streaming and things like that and Patreon and all this other stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of on the back burner for now. Definitely want to try and stream more. I know Slick has been holding it down for quite some time uh, on the streaming front and getting out really great content as well, but we'll see what what happens in the coming months. Again, you know, these are things that require equipment, uh, money and a few other things. So, you know, we're probably going to try and either revisit Patreon or maybe do a, a quick Kickstarter to really get that stuff rolling. And I figure if you guys are really, really diehard invested um, into that stuff, you guys will jump on board with a Kickstarter or maybe give Patreon another go. Uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss is I know some of you locally here in New York City have been asking about trying to do more local stuff, whether it's listener meetups, uh, you know, listener and reader meetups, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, right now, some, it's something that definitely I am interested in doing only because it's a great way to build our community in the real world, not just via email and social media. Uh, right now, I'm working alongside uh, Prescott from the NY podcast meetup, but there are some ideas, you know, floating around in my head for some real world events. I don't know if they'll be able to be executed in 2016, but it's something that we have definitely been given, uh, giving a lot of thought to, uh, maybe doing a real world, uh, brawling for boobies in partnership with Coleman for the cure. I know that we hadn't done it last year or the year prior, uh, due to, you know, my own jaded thinking um, and just the interest level alone. But I have been giving some thought to doing something in the real world, maybe partnering with another venue or partnering with another uh, group that does events here in New York to put something together for Brawling for Boobies on a larger scale. Um, you know, right now the details are kind of sketchy. But um, there are some people that have reached out and expressed interest in doing something in the real world. And once I have some more concrete news to give you guys, I would definitely love to uh, share it. And as always, you know, definitely want to involve our listeners and readers as much as possible, whether you're local here in New York City or even from out of town. You know, we're going to try our best to accommodate different people uh, for whatever events we do put together. All right, so we got a decent amount of gaming news on deck. We got some entertainment news as well. So let's get this ball rolling and jump into this week's gaming news, shall we? All 
I'm going to bring in our very own Slick to not only assist in the announcement of the winners of our Rainbow Moon contest, but also to jump in and uh, share his thoughts on some of the gaming news of the week. So let me bring him in. Slick, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Not too much, brother. Uh, Happy to have you on. Everything good? All is well. All right. So before I give you, well, I give the listening audience the winners of the Rainbow Moon contest, uh, you you want to give them a little bit of background on the game and the contest? Well, Rainbow Moon is a, a um, like a, a tactical RPG made by a company called East Asia Soft. And um, sorry, that's the the um, publisher, not the developer. The developer is German. It's uh, it's sort of like if anybody's familiar with Final Fantasy Tactics, it, it has that type of look in it. But as I said in the review, it's very easy to get your ass whipped in like five seconds in that game because the enemies will surround you and just beat the hell out of you. Right. So it, the, the strategy element is very heavy in the game, and even, even with that, it's, it's pretty much easy to pick up and play. It's just that you gotta you got to watch what you're doing. It's, just not, it's not the easiest game in the world. It's not the hardest game in the world, but it's, it's a fun game once you get to, to um, the basics down, and anybody who likes RPGs would enjoy it, especially if it's free. Oh yeah, well, free is uh, free is the name of the game, ladies and gents. So, uh, with that said, uh, let's get to the winners. Uh, we had four copies of the game to give away. Uh, really excited to do that. Definitely would like to thank our friends at East Asia Soft and also our very own Slick for putting this contest together. So, the first winner is a reader and listener from the UK. Uh, Lana Smith, she wins a copy of Rainbow Moon for the PS4. Uh, the next winner is going to be Jake Schumann. Next winner after that is Gene Nathaniel. And the last winner is Jason Lee. Uh, so congratulations to all the participants in the contest. I know that they've also been acknowledged on the site for each of them winning a copy of Rainbow Moon for the PlayStation 4. Slick is going to be reaching out to you uh, probably after the show is over, within the next day or so, uh, to send you your codes. Again, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the MTR and Rageworks crew, definitely would like to thank everyone that participated. Uh, Slick, do you have anything else you want to add? I just definitely look forward to the next contest because I'm sure there will be one. I don't know when, but if I can get anybody to give me one on one copy, we will raffle it off. Yep. As I, as I said at the start of the show, in addition to obviously doing some games giveaways, uh, we definitely want to do um, more of those, but we do have a couple of contests, as I said, in the works. So definitely, again, you know, keep an eye on Slick's social media profiles for any updates regarding contests, and of course, keep it locked to MTR and Rageworks for the contest that I mentioned earlier in the show. All right, so... With that said, I did want to get into the gaming news of the week. Uh, First thing I wanted to discuss was Sony's upcoming 3.5 update, uh, which the beta is going to be available soon, and they have a pretty decent amount of new features that are going to be integrated into the system, including uh, friend online notifications, which, of course, are going to inform you when any of your friends come online. Um, Originally, this was something that I've noticed I don't want to say it's flawed, 
but I don't know if you've noticed it as well. When people come online, they're like, oh, you know, X person is in a chat. Would you like to join? And I just felt that that was a really weird notification to receive versus, hey, X, X person is online. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I've been asking for that. I've written to them more than once. Oh, okay. I think, I think that's one of those things that, again, it's a, it's a very odd notification to use. Uh, especially now it's like, I really don't want to join anybody's chat. You know what I mean? Like if somebody comes online, all right, cool. A little pop-up. So-and-so's online, wash, rinse, and repeat. Anything else is just too complex. The only time I really want to join somebody's chat is this. It's somebody that I normally speak to right. or it's, um, or if we happen to be teamed up to play a game, like there's a few people I play dying light with. If I see they're playing dying light and I get in the chat, I'll probably join the chat. Makes perfect sense. I think also uh, another feature, and this one I was shocked that it wasn't there, but I also realized that I don't pay too much attention to the online component on the PlayStation 4, is the ability to appear offline, which, again, I've, I've done that on, on Xbox Live before, and I was shocked that PlayStation didn't have that feature, but it will be added in the 3.50 update. I'm shocked you didn't notice. Everybody rich can be a hermit sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I am an antisocial son of a bitch some days. I make no apologies for that. It does happen sometimes. Sometimes I just, you know, I just want to turn on the system, throw on a pair of headphones, and play without any interruptions whatsoever. But yes, uh, the ability to appear offline is going to be the next update. Also, they're going to add a, the ability to set up user scheduled events i.e. play dates, so you can actually schedule gaming sessions with your friends on the system. Of course, when you set it up and people are registered for the event, they will automatically be added to the party and they can start playing right away. I think that's a very, very cool feature which can be leveraged not only by individuals, but I think it's something that is going to come in handy for us down the road if we start doing more online gaming stuff. I can agree, especially, like you said, if, if we wind up doing Brawling for Boobies this year. Yep, definitely. I think that that's going to be very cool. The other thing that's being added is Play Together, which is going to allow all members of a party to see what each person is playing so that they can easily join a friend's game or start a new game together. Again, a uh, very solid feature. I think it's a very good addition uh, to the PS4, and I'm looking forward to it. Also... They're adding remote play so that you can do PlayStation 4 remote play on Windows PC or Mac. Um, it's not going to be available in the beta, but it will be available soon. In addition to that, they're also adding Daily Motion as a live stream partner, so you'll be able to stream directly to Daily Motion from the PS4. Of course, that's going to support the archiving of live broadcasts as they do for other streaming services. So, if you're not a heavy Twitch user or you're looking for a secondary uh, service to share your Let's Play videos and your commentary, etc., you will have that opportunity when Daily Motion gets added. That's not even really the problem. I mean, the problem with the connection between Twitch and um, PS4, which I don't know if it's been updated because I, I, you know, I checked it out early on and I was turned off by it, is that it's it's a low quality video. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think that there's definitely a a need for improvement in that regard. I think I've done streaming on the PS4 one time just to test it out. 
you know, I'm a big user. I, you know, I still use the Elgato uh, game capture card, and I personally still like using that versus the built-in component. I mean, the built-in component is a is a run and gun, you know, pop and play feature, and it's great. But I kind of like the the ability to to have a bit more customization by using a capture card or other device. I mean, I do have to admit that the addition of these features has allowed people more people to stream and I think it's useful especially on the Xbox One side when there's a game that I'm interested in and I'm not sure how good it is I can always see uh, which person is streaming it and I can check out the stream and see if it's a game I'd be interested in picking up and I think that's one of the the real positives of live streaming I know that people always say oh you know what's the what's the big deal about streaming games you know I think it's stupid why would you watch other people play but I will say that seeing real people playing games that I'm kind of interested in is definitely a very huge benefit. Do you agree? I do, because I was one of those people that probably used to say things like, why would I want to watch somebody play? But right. I can say, like, one of our contest winners, uh, <clears throat> Jay Lee, he, um, he recently streamed, I think it was uh, Dragon Age, and... With a game like that where where you pick your responses to the people, right? He just we both found it, you know, more fun because he's he's trying to play the game seriously and right. you know, me being the asshole that I am, I'm adding my own commentary. Of course. He's trying to keep a straight face while playing <laughs> the game. Sounds like an episode of MTR most weeks. <laughs> Pretty much. I think, you know, the 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 ability to do that and that's that's one of the things that I've realized, especially like, you know, running running a YouTube channel, you're always contemplating what kind of content you're going to do. And I remember when I first started doing this way back when, and I mean, not so much the podcasting and, and the, the live video, but when I was starting to do more product reviews and things like that, one of the things I never understood was the reasoning behind unboxing videos. Now, I'm sure when somebody tells you that at a glance, you say, why would I want to watch somebody open something? And I realize it's not so much the the unboxing of the product. It's more so seeing the product in someone else's hands that is not not, not necessarily affiliated with selling you the product. You get what I'm saying? Like, if you walk into Best Buy and you're researching a TV... Well, that's that's a bit too big. So let me go with a mouse. You go, you want to buy a mouse for your PC. There's a dozen different mice there. And sure, you can ask the sales rep, hey, which mouse is good? And they may give you some sort of guidance. But if you have your eye on a particular mouse and you punch up a couple of different videos on YouTube, you have different. you have at least three or four different people explaining to you not only what comes in the packaging, what you get, what they like, what they didn't like, but the fact is that you get to see it applied in an environment that is going to mirror your very own, whether you know, you're know you going to be using it with a high-end Windows PC or you're going to be attaching it to a laptop. Everybody has a different video for that. And I think that as we continue to evolve over the next couple of years, we're going to become more accustomed to that stuff. We're going to be in a stage where 10, 20 years from now, we're going to put on something like an Oculus Rift 
And if we want to see an apartment or a house, we don't even have to go and set up an appointment. We can just throw it on, maybe download a virtual tour and walk through the house. It really, it really do have things like that already. I know, but but, you know, on a retail, that's more rare right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I went to the Samsung galaxy event last year and they were unveiling the, the galaxy VR, which you can use with the note four at the time, you know, I was, I was blown away just by the fact that this was all being powered by a mobile device. And it just goes to show you how quickly and how, how, you know, amazing, how quickly it's evolving and how amazing the advances are. I mean, to, to, to put this in perspective, uh, about a year ago, we were in a in a local big box retailer, and we saw a curved HD TV. It was in the thousands, not not two thousand, but like five, six, seven, eight thousand, depending on the brand. Go into the local big box, you know, merchant now, you know, local warehouse store, and a curved TV is less than two thousand dollars. How crazy is that? Well, the tech is, in, in some ways, the tech is moving forward almost too quickly. I mean, like I, I posted, I think it was a week ago on the on our fan page, that uh, Best Buy started selling 4K, 4K movies, 4K Blu-rays. Yeah, they're 30 bucks and a piece. I laughed. I laughed for two reasons. One, because they all retail at $30, and I'm like, forget that. And the other thing was, one of the... T- I can't even say it with a straight face. One of the titles was the recent Fantastic Four movie. I'm like, people aren't paying regular price for that shit. Nobody's buying that at thirty dollars for four K. Well, that's that's the that's the thing. At you know when when the DVD first came out, the thirty dollar price point was the norm. Now you can buy a DVD for three dollars. You know, uh, same thing with Blu-rays. Obviously, the continuing advancements in in televisions and in digital media and disc based media is is going to be one of those things. I saw I saw the the Ultra HD Blu-rays at Consumer Electronics Week. I think you guys if you check our Instagram, you can see that I actually posted the cover art for The Martian at the time, which was one of the first 4K movies that they were pushing. And I'll be honest, you know, I've watched a handful of 4K films uh, at different events, and I feel that the medium is is beautiful. I mean, 4K is a is a beautiful picture. But the thing is that we are still adjusting to full 1080p now. I mean, even broadcast shows are haven't even scratched the surface with regards to 1080p. So the only thing that we're getting in full 1080 are obviously Blu-rays, uh, Netflix streaming, depending on on which films. And things of that nature. We we haven't even scratched the surface on the 1080 side that we're already jumping into the 4K pool. I mean, the the current television I have is, you know, has a 240 hertz refresh, 1080p, and 3D. And I ended up getting it because the 3D technology had dropped to the point where the television I bought was a thousand dollars from you know almost three thousand. You know, the after after CES that particular model had a new version coming out and they just dropped everything. And, you know, the guy gave me a good deal on it, ended up getting two pairs of 3d glasses. Am I running out and buying every 3d movie? No, but if a a version of a film comes out that had good 3d and is priced in a decent price point, then yeah, sure. I mean, even now, and you can attest to this, we've seen that 
3D Blu-rays have dropped down to sometimes 10 bucks for, you know, Black Friday or during the holiday season. And even now, sometimes they'll yeah. do complete sales where they're 10 or 12 bucks. And at that point, you, you might as well just buy it, buy a version with all of them, you know, 3D, regular, especially because certain films look really nice. I mean, when I saw Avatar fully remastered in 3D for the first time, whether you love or hate the movie, to see it, it was like, it was one of those wow moments. And that's something that's still few and far between, depending on what film you watch, that, you know, you, you're you not blown away sometimes. Sometimes you turn on your TV and you're just like, all right. Sometimes you turn it on and you're like, wow, like this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But when I say that I feel like the technology is moving forward a little bit too quickly, there's already, like, examples of, like, 5K and even 8K uh, right. medium out there. And I'm like, why are we going to that when if you really are a tech head and you really pay attention, you know that maybe, like, maybe 5% of all the 4K TVs out there are actually 4K. Right. Most of the TVs that are 4K, they, they write 4K UHD because they're UHD. They're not 4K. Right. And if you don't know the difference, Google is your friend, people. Well, the other thing also is that, like I said, 4K and even 1080p, and I, and I think even you remember this back in the day. You and I had this conversation for some reason. You know, everybody was all up in arms about games being 720p or 1080p. I think we even had this conversation on air. And the big the big factor was that if you're not going over, you know, four, 50 inches on a television, you're not going to tell the fucking difference. True. You know, like people, I remember, and it was for some game, and people were all up in arms because the game wasn't 720 and it wasn't pushing out full 1080. And again, if you're playing a particular game on a 32-inch TV in your bedroom and, you know, it's not 1080p, it's like, who gives a shit at that point, you know? Well, I, um, like, I know you have the the two, um, the 29 and 30-inch monitors, yeah, I just I just um picked up two LG uh twenty one twenty one point nine ultra wide monitors. They're twenty nine inches. Right, you got the ultra wide monitors, so like horizontally you got pretty much sixty. But um, right. I I just have a forty inch, not even monitor, a forty inch TV. Right, for a monitor, and I was going to with with the new build I'm doing, I was going to upgrade that to hopefully a seven point two a a 40-inch 4K TV, and it's like you said, it, it's not pushing the envelope as far as, like, movies, right. but it's just to be able to have... Future-proof. That, not even that. It, it, it gives me, in, in essence, a larger working space because what I'm looking at now essentially would, would fill half the screen if I had double the resolution. Well, and that's, you know... I have to ask. That that works out better for me unless I'm playing a game. I have to ask, though, using a TV as a monitor, how does, how does it differ in terms of rendering text? And the reason I ask this is because when I had a Mac, uh, a Mac Mini connected to my television upstairs, I was able to work on it, but the text, you, were, you weren't getting a pixel-to-pixel clear screen. So, you know, just, just for the sake of uh, my own... My own you know, curiosity. How are, how's that for you? It's. I mean, it, it works very smoothly. I mean, it's. Uh, 
it's a Samsung 1080p uh, 40-inch TV with 120 hertz uh, refresh. So, I mean, it, it handles basically everything fine. I, <clears throat> the only downside of it is that even though this is a much older GPU in here, it's a, a GTX 470. Wow, okay. It, it's capable of, like, double the resolution that my TV can handle. So I, I'm not getting the full benefit of what my computer can do. And that's, that's part of what the, the upgrade is going to be about because I, I will eventually start streaming computer games. Right now it's only been PS4 games. Right. Okay. Well, I, you know, it's good to know that, that, you know, you're, you're accounting for all that stuff. Like I said, my, my investment on the 29 inch monitors was to just have a wider workspace to, you know, do all the stuff for the, for the shows and, I haven't watched a movie on exactly. it Exactly. That, that's exactly what it's about. It's right. about the wider workspace. I went from, before I had this, I think I had a 26-inch monitor. Right. So I went from 26 to 40. So right there, that was going to greatly increase my workspace. Gotcha. So, But to go from 40 to 40 and go from uh, 1080p to, to UHD, that will also increase my workspace. Right, because you're going to get a, a a better pixel resolution. Right. Well, on the on the flip side, I did want to address that you know even though Sony has their update, which is pretty solid, Microsoft is also obviously releasing an update for spring. Um, you're going to be able to purchase Xbox 360 backwards compatible games on Xbox One, which is great. Uh, they're also going to allow the use of party chat in Twitch broadcast, which is a nice addition. You're also going to be able to output your party chat to a headset and speakers simultaneously, which is going to be good if you want to do the gaming and also include the commentary on a live stream, which I think is going to be huge. Uh, there's also going to be the ability to customize the game DVR recording length, which is a big pain in the ass. I think you're capped at, I want to say, five minutes. But I think you, you know, a DVR recording 10 or 15 minutes of gameplay and allowing you to edit is definitely a better feature. I think that five-minute cap is not necessarily the best length to use, but I, you know, I'm, I'm appreciating the fact that they heard people's complaints and they are upgrading the recording length. They're also going to allow the tracking of achievement process through the Xbox One guide, and you're going to also have video playback directly on the Xbox One activity feed. Obviously, they're also showing integration with Windows 10, um, and some other features we're going to get into. I'll talk about um, Killer Instinct 3 and a couple of other things in a few minutes. Thoughts? Oh, I, I didn't know you asked you. Well, the the big thing with, with Xbox right now is I'm a... really wondering what their direction is. They're, they're talking about like getting a, a new GPU for the, the, the Xbox One and making the Xbox One the, the end-all, be-all of, of the Microsoft console and just updating it forever. Right. I mean, right. I, I really need to see how this pans out to, to really have an opinion on Microsoft because just just hearing it, it doesn't sound very good. But I'll, It I'll, might I'll, work out very well for them, but it, it just sounds like a mess. Well, here's here's the thing. For those of us that are technologically savvy, you know, we upgrade our RAM, we upgrade our video cards, we upgrade this, we upgrade that. In doing so, we end up extending the shelf life of our products and giving us, you know, giving ourselves a wider cushion in terms of our investments. 
especially when it comes to building computers. I mean, you can attest to this as much as the next person. You know, even though you can buy a computer already built from a store for, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars if you want something powerful, if you want something ultra powerful, we're talking three, four, five thousand dollars if we're specking out Alienware or a Mac Pro. But the fact is that there's a certain level of satisfaction in building it yourself. In addition to obviously giving yourself a new skill, there's also the, 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 you know, the capability of, you know, building it based on your usage versus either having something be underpowered but overpriced or overpowered and extremely overpriced. And I think Microsoft's decision to possibly go in that direction means that the current incarnation of the Xbox One will probably be upgraded towards a configuration that is going to be easily upgradable down the road. I don't think you're going to be able to pop open the current console and just be like, oh, you know, tab A, slot B, you're done. I think it may be something that we as, you know, tech-savvy individuals will be able to do, but I also feel that down the road they'll probably, you know, repurpose the system in a configuration that'll be more modular, that you'll be able to swap parts out at the ready. And I think that to a point, it's going to allow people to extend that shelf life. I mean, we talked about, and you've made it quite, you've made a reference to this on, uh, on quite a few occasions about Sony's console shelf life. And I think that as technology evolves, why shouldn't you be able to evolve a console, especially if the, the full power of it has not been harnessed yet? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, but it's it's like I guess it really stands out more to me because I just happened to be about to build a new computer. Right. But part of the reason why I'm building a new computer is because yeah, I have a new GPU and technically I could put it in the one I have now. Right. It'd be a bad idea because I've been having problems with it. But the the motherboard that's in the computer right now, it can't handle the new CPU I have. It can't handle the RAM that I have. Right. It's well, like the, the the basis of the Xbox One is only going to be so upgradable. No, I, and, and I agree, but I also feel that they will probably, re, you know, build a, a new configuration of the system for people to purchase and, you know, call it the Xbox One System Builders Kit or whatever. And I think that the capabilities of, you know, the upgrade capabilities are just going to... I doubt you're going to be able to swap out, you know, the the system's motherboard or CPU, but perhaps the graphical interface, maybe you want to add, uh, you know, a different type of optical media. Maybe down the road, they'll they'll add, you know, 4K uh, Blu-ray capabilities to the system, and it'll be just a matter of swapping out the drive bay and throwing in a new drive. And I think, again, we're not we're not going to have a completely modular system from soup to nuts. But I think the capability of expanding, uh, you know, internal system memory, which, you know, the, you can already do external storage add-ons. But what if you want to add down the road, you know, a SSD or a larger capacity drive? The ability to do that on a modular system, I mean, as you, as you was well are, you know, uh, well aware, you can already do that with the PS4 with minimal issue. With the Xbox, obviously, it's got to be external only. For now, but that's something down the road that you might be that's going to change. You know, you might be able to just swap out, hot swap the storage. You know, pop out a bay, you know, a slide out bay, slide in a new drive. You're done. Download all your saves, upgraded. 
Maybe you're going to be able, like I said, to do the, the disk drive. I think that most of the upgrades that they're looking at right now, in my opinion, and this is purely speculation, it's going to be relegated to, you know, physical media, storage, and, you know, may, maybe maybe if there's some sort of a RAM upgrade. But I don't think it's going to be as deep as, you know, the, the CPU of the system or the, the system-based board unless they want to get real crazy. But I doubt that. I, I, and I doubt it, too. It's just that it's like part of the thing that they're, they're saying, excuse me, part of their reasoning behind this is that they're saying that why should a person buy a console and then 10 years later or whatever, how many years later, have to buy another console? And they're, they're thinking in terms of computers, but think about the people who say buy a Dell or buy an Apple or buy, a, whatever, buy a pre-made computer. When they buy a pre-made computer, I don't know anybody who, you know, other than older people who just don't upgrade because they get a computer once and they think it's going to, you know, last till they, they die. It Computers generally are not going to last you 10 years when you buy it from a manufacturer. Well, and you, even for someone who builds a system, they're, they're swapping out parts and upgrading well before 10 years. Oh, no, but, absolutely. You know, we have the PlayStation 3, which is about to, it's, it's entering its 10th year right now. Right. And still going. No, I, I understand that, but I also think that it's also about return on investment. And a, a case in point, if you buy a Mac, well, let, let, me, let me go back. Let me go back a little more basic. You buy an iPod Classic, which we all know what that is. Think about it. The iPad has evolved, you know, exponentially over the, the iPad, the iPod, excuse me. The iPod has evolved exponentially over, over the years. And the fact is that even though you can still buy an iPod, you're not buying an iPod with 120 gigs of storage yet. I mean, you are, but it's costing you an arm and a leg versus an iPod Classic, which is still durable and is still highly sought after because it does the job. You get what I'm saying? For, for a console, yeah. if, if you're able to swap out optical, let's say the optical drive for 4K, and maybe you can give it a memory upgrade, and that 10-year lifespan turns into a 15-year lifespan, that's fine. You know, that's great. And what people aren't realizing is that Microsoft has been looking to create that one-stop solution, that desktop console hybrid. I mean, we've already seen Steam try it with their Steam Box and Alienware try to create um, computer configurations that look like consoles. We're almost there. But what I got to say is that I think Xbox is the closest only because they're so close in terms of creating a system that can be in harmony with a PC. I mean, if you can play your, if you can play all your Xbox games on a PC, then it's no longer a reason for an Xbox. This is true, but we also have to remember, not everyone is comfortable in that environment. You get what I'm saying? You know, a, a, a parent that... I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but... A parent that just wants to shut their kid up, it wants a box that you plug in, stick in a disc, and you're done. And as long as that is, as long as that is still a driving force, it's still going to happen. You know what I mean? Like those of us that are technologically savvy, um, you know, that are able to build computers and do all that stuff, we're going to have that luxury. We're going to be able to do that with no problem. But the average parent with the pain in the ass kid just wants a box that you plug in, you stick in a disc. Hell, 
We're getting to a point where the kid doesn't even need the parent to do it. The kids end up knowing how to do the shit themselves. You know that. True. So, uh, again, I, do, I, do I think that Xbox is, 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 well, Xbox, that Microsoft is overreaching? It's hard to say only because they've already kind of laid the foundation by integrate, by putting a web browser in their console, by putting, you know, Internet Explorer, by allowing uh, the, the synergy between the console and Windows 10. I, I think it's, it, we're, you know, we're, we're building towards a singular platform that can do it all. And honestly, I think we're going to reach a point where down the road, you're going to be able to throw in a disc and play a game you're going to be able to go to the Steam version of, 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 of Xbox and download a Steam-based game and play it on your console. You're going to be able to, and, and I feel this is going to be the case, you'll be able to go to the Xbox store, the Steam store, and you'll be able to play whatever you want. Oh, you want to play Warcraft? Boom. Click, start, done. We'll see. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm trying not to be judgmental. I see a lot of people already being judgmental. And- right. Well, no, I want you to be judged. I want you to be judgmental. You know what I'm saying? I want you to be a person that questions it because what that forces me to do and even those that you speak, you know, people that you speak to about it, it forces you to think of applications, what's good, what's bad. I mean, even in this dialogue that we've had, like I said, imagine imagine the, the capability of turning on a console and seeing Xbox Store a Steam store, you know, Windows apps if you want to add them. And yes, of course, it turns the system into more than just a system. But I think we're, we're, we can both agree that every console manufacturer is moving towards more than just sticking a disc and play. Yeah, and only a few <laughs> of them are giving us anything for, for um, not getting that physical disc, but that's, a conversation we've had many times. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of think about how much redundancy you have. Think of how much shit you have that can play Netflix. <laughs> Everything you know? plays Netflix. But, but that's what I mean. Think of all the black boxes you have that play Netflix. Think of all the boxes you have that can play YouTube. Think of all the boxes you have that can do Amazon Video On Demand, Hulu, HBO Go. The list goes on. You see what I'm saying? So the the notion that we're going to have just consoles that play games is so far gone out the window at this point that the question is not really what games it plays but how much other shit can it do i hear you so moving on as much as it pains me to say this uncharted 4 has been delayed once again uh, it was originally slated to arrive in stores april 26th and it is now scheduled to hit stores May 10th. It's it's um it's saddening, but considering the track record of Uncharted, I agree. It's a good thing because <laughs> it it means that the game will be done when it comes out. This is true. Not only that, but it's also the fact that the delays sometimes are going to lead to giving us a better game. And and this is something we've talked about, you know, at nauseum with Street Fighter Five and countless other games. I'd rather wait a month or two and get a game that doesn't need 17 patches on day one. And I mean, if it does need them, let them be for things that are totally just, you know, things that just needed to be fixed and that can only be fixed when people start playing, you know? Yeah. So, zero, you got zero complaints. I I don't want holes in my game. 
I agree 100%. I don't want him either. Which actually brings up Street Fighter V. Yeah, Street Fighter V has been, and, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it, and as did I, only because you and I can both attest to the fact that it's, it's created a lot of divisions amongst the gaming community, both from, uh, co- uh, you know, Capcom apologists uh, to people that just are disgruntled about certain facets to people that just feel that the game is not incomplete. And I've, I've come to the conclusion over the past couple of weeks that it's not that the game is quote-unquote incomplete, and I'm, and I'm saying this in quotes, I'm saying it that the game's experience is not universal for every gamer. That's, that's, a, that's a better, more diplomatic way of acknowledging it. The experience isn't complete for, for... It's not looked at as being a complete experience for every gamer. And I say this because those of us that, you know, just want some casual gameplay, it meets our needs. Obviously, you know, you got a, a subpar story mode, which will be improved. But again, Street Fighter isn't exactly chock full of narrative. And I can understand that. The arcade mode, whatever, you can play survival mode and versus mode, and that's fine. But to, you know, the people that play on the tournament circuit, the people that play online, competitive gamers, the game fills a void. Well, I understand what you're saying, and we had discussed that back when the game first came out. But yes. the reason why I have brought up Street Fighter Five is because, well, at this point, it's yesterday. Yeah, I have the, they, I have the news on the update. I have it. Save that. <laughs> I think I know where it's going. I, I I have a full list of that, and that's next on the list. But we we are definitely going to dig into that. If you want to hold that thought for like two minutes, okay, that's cool. All right. Uh, the other thing I, I mean, there's plenty of other game games coming out this month that are worth talking about. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you know, we have um, you know, the division that just came out that everybody's talking about, Hitman, which. Uh, you know, I'm 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 sure you're gonna elaborate on that as well. Um, one game I did want to talk about, and this is more so because I saw stuff related to it at Toy Fair, and now there's more information that has come out uh, via Game Informer and some other outlets. Is Gears of War Four? Uh, the brand new game is gonna take place 25 years after Gears of War Three. You're gonna have a new trio of protagonists, which is gonna be led by J.D. Phoenix, who is gonna who is the son of, obviously, Marcus Phoenix. And the thing is, you know, we saw some of the toys at Toy Fair at the McFarland at the McFarland Toys booth, and we got a little bit of background on the story, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, the game is obviously going to be uh, released this holiday season. Uh, lots of really cool things on the horizon, a really solid voice cast. Uh, J.D. Phoenix is voiced by Liam McIntyre, who... Many of you know from Stars of Spartacus series and also as Weather Wizard on The Flash, amongst other roles that he's had. Um, really pumped to see where they take the Gears of War franchise. I mean, I've never, I've always felt that the narrative for that game was interesting and compelling. Do I feel that they cut some corners, especially with the, uh, you know, with the quote-unquote offshoot game that they had with Cole and the other guy? Yes, but I've always felt that the story was compelling enough to keep me entertained, and that definitely spoke volumes. Multiplayer, I didn't really give a shit about. Um, I definitely feel that the story grabbed me, and I hopeful, and I'm hopeful that Gears of War Four continues that trend. All right. The um, 
Shit, I lost my place. I was listening to you talk about Gears of War. Um, but <clears throat> aside from games like Hitman, which depending upon where you live, you might have access to already. Um, one of the games that I'm definitely looking forward to this month, because you know I'm a, a driving a driving nut, yep. is uh, Trackmania Turbo coming out later this month, which is the first time Trackmania is hitting a console, and it, it just looks insane. Right. That's definitely one that the, um, if you prefer the, or the, the arcade racer, over the Sims like uh, Gran Turismo and Forza, stuff like Drive Club, then you definitely want to look out for Track Mini and Turbo later this month. Nice. I um I'm excited for Killer Instinct's next season, uh, season three. Uh, they're adding a couple of new characters which have been revealed so far. Uh, Mira, uh, who is Maya's twin sister, who was recently added to the game in the last season. Uh, they are also adding. Uh, General Ram from Gears of War as a uh, extra character, um, you know, joining Halo's Arbiter and also Rash from Battletoads, which is kind of fun. Obviously, these bonus characters are you know following in the same same vein that Mortal Kombat did with their series. I have I have no issues with it whatsoever. I actually think that it's it's fun to have these kind of niche characters, but I also like like they're going in there and they're grabbing. Uh, additional characters from the mythology of the game. Uh, Killer Instinct Three is uh, Killer Instinct Season Three is scheduled to hit Xbox One and PC starting March 29th. Um, as I said, definitely looking forward to seeing what additional characters there are. I know that uh, when I had the opportunity to use Rash from Battletoads, I, I felt he was a character I could see myself using quite a bit. Uh, curious to see what they do with General Ram. Um, I, th- I think his character is going to look very interesting in the game, and um, you know, adding adding more core characters is always a plus. I don't know, man. The more I see this game, the less I like it. I- I've seen the designs and the um, to some extent gameplay for Kimball and Tusk. I think they look terrible. They look nothing like their original characters. Oh yeah, they changed them and quite a bit. Just, they did. They did like, change them. That's why I keep saying, and people are like, what are you talking about when I say that this game is not Killer Instinct? Like, it doesn't look like Killer Instinct. It doesn't play like Killer Instinct. Uh, I disagree. I think that if you play with the core characters, the the vibe and, and the strategy of Killer Instinct is there. Ultra combos, all of the above. Obviously, you're bringing the game forward to to a new generation of gamers. And to a point, I think that a lot of that got lost in the conversion, not to mention the fact that publishers also changed uh, from one publisher to another. And that led to a different, uh, to a lot of different style changes to the game from story right, mode. Not to publisher, develop- developer, well, sorry. Because yeah, it went from Nintendo to Microsoft. Right, that, so well, that too. and developer. Right. So, you know, there, those changes, those changes definitely impacted the game. But in terms of just Killer Instinct as a whole, I think that the essence of the game is still there. It's just not an essence that those of us that are arcade, you know, arcade purists are going to gravitate towards unless we go in there and give it a shot. I mean, the season one and season two came with three versions of the original Killer Instinct and Killer Instinct 2. And, you know, I play them for the sake of nostalgia, but I do I do see elements of evolution in terms of the gameplay. I mean, Killer Instinct has been well received. Uh, by many people on the fighting game circuit. I personally still play it quite a bit. 
Um, especially because I feel that it's very, very noob friendly, uh, which is I'm using that term loosely. Uh, you know, I've had people come by who have never played the game. They're able to jump on board and get a couple of combos in and be semi-competitive, which is always nice. Well, let me ask you this question. Shoot. Because you said that you feel that they're bringing the, the Killer Instinct game forward and involving it. How are you doing that when you're eliminating a lot of the core elements of the game? Well, what do you feel is a core element that was eliminated? I mean, the combo system is still there. Uh, you know, the fatalities or, you know, stage fatalities are still there. That was in, that was reintroduced into the game. What do you feel is, is missing? Well, the basis of Killer Instinct to me was always really, I mean, obviously it's, it's killing your opponent, but it, it's, it's just, I had a habit of making people drop their controller and, like, running out the room or running out the house. And that's really gone now. It's like there's no no mercies, there's no there's no humiliations, and it's like just to have ultra com- every game has freaking ultra combos now. Yeah, but but to the extra to the you know to the the direction that Killer Instinct has always gone with that stuff, I feel that that's there. You know the humiliations and all that stuff. I can understand, and I wouldn't be shocked if that stuff gets put in as the game continues to evolve. But I feel that the core gameplay in terms of just people being receptive to it. And, and again, I, I also have to say that, you know, you, you had to get some more hands-on time with it. Not to say that you haven't, but I think that being able to get in there is, is something that for you, I think, would help you dissect the game a little more. I'm not, I'm not dis- disparaging your opinion in any capacity or disagreeing in any capacity, but I also have to say that that's, that's going to be a game that you're really going to have to sit down and really play. And not just in a, in a singular setting, but you know, with, with other people as well, to, to form a more, I don't want to say a more universal opinion on the game, but definitely to form an opinion based on the different facets of the game that you may have not had a, a, an opportunity to experience. Well, I think one thing that, you and a lot of other people I've spoken to that, that you know, quote-unquote, love the game are misunderstanding is I'm not calling it a bad game. Oh, no, I, I never said it's, you were either. It's a serviceable fighter, but it's it's just, to me, as it stands... It's not the killer point, instinct you like. That they could change to, really, to really change that opinion, it's not killer instinct. It's it's generic fighter B. Okay. I mean, you're, you're de- you, you are definitely you know, in, entitled to feel that way. But I also, I also feel that, you know, you should, you should definitely get some legitimate hands-on time with it. And I mean legitimate, not, not in-store demo. You know, even if you got to come over here and play it for a couple of hours and, and, you know, develop a, a, a more, a more firm understanding. Only because, like I said, it's not, it's definitely a pretty game. You know, it's, it's a very, it's a very graphically intensive game, but I, I can understand your points, but I also think that you're, you're, you'd want to give it a, uh, a just a, a, a more a more controlled go-around, if you get what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying, and like I said, I don't feel it's a bad game. It just isn't Killer Instinct. It definitely is not the Killer Instinct that I grew up with. Hell no. That That is something we can definitely agree on. It, it is... It is well past the point of the shit we grew up playing. That's for damn sure. But but I got to say this. I, some of the character designs, they did a really good job with them. I mean, 
you know, even though TJ Combo still looks like Patrick Ewing, but um, <laughs> which is a little creepy to see. Uh, some of the characters are really cool, especially the newer ones that were created for this game. Uh, the classics are still the classics. I mean, Chief Thunder's uh, probably one of my favorite old characters. I mean, Orchid is my main in that game, but Chief Thunder is just tremendous to play as. And, I mean, it's another one of our agree-to-disagree moments. Oh, no, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not trying to sway you, brother. I just feel that, you know, I, I'd like for you to get a more dedicated amount of time in, you know? Even when I, you know, finally do break down and get an Xbox One, Killer Instinct will not be getting my cash. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's fine, but I definitely hope that you can get an opportunity to at least sit down with it, you know? I mean, as it is, there's, and that's, a, that's another thing, it's just that that still is an issue with the Xbox. They, they didn't have the focus when they, they first came out, and they still don't seem to be getting that focus. It's like, for me personally, the games just aren't there. There's so many, and I'm not saying they're all good because they surely aren't, but even just in terms of fighting games, there's so many more options on the PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. The PlayStation 4, when it comes to fighting games, definitely is kicking ass. I think that Xbox One thrives in a more first-person shooter environment, and and I think that's just a strength that each console has kind of carved out for themselves. Um, you know, I think that single-player games, you know, I still stick by picking up most single-player games on the on the on the PS4. Again, my my whole weird thing. Um, but I I you really I, need to switch that up, dude. I know because the 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 multiplayer experience on the PS4 is phenomenal right yep. now. I know, I know. You had mentioned it before, and I, I, you know, I, I just feel that if you want to play FPS, your your you know Xbox is is your is your console of choice, in my opinion. Some people are obviously going to counter that, and that's fine. But I definitely view uh, the the PlayStation Four and the offerings from Sony as the better offering in terms of fighting games. Definitely no disagreement there. I want to just say one thing on what you said earlier. If you want to play an FPS at this point, you need to look at the FPS you want to play, whether it be Call of Duty, Battlefield, whatever. Look at that specific FPS yep. and see which console they're supporting harder. Yep, if I agree. If saying that all the content is going day one to the PS4, you need to get it on the PS4. That's right. If it's going to Xbox One, you need to get it on Xbox One. It's not about, because both consoles, again, without with proper um, experience on the Xbox One, I mean, I, I haven't heard that there's much difference to it with with comparison to the Xbox 360. Of course, there there are improvements, but it's essentially the same thing. There's much improvement on the, you know, on the online from PS3 to PS4 because PS3 was, uh, <laughs> to put it lightly, but um, when they're, when they're, it's a, a multi-console, a multi-platform game, you get it really on the, if you have the option, especially if you have the option of, well, if you have the option of all three, you just go PC, but you um, if you have the option of both consoles, look to whichever console seems to be getting more support from that company. Right. The only exception to that would be a game like Rise of the Tomb Raider, where even though they supported Xbox in the beginning, it's it's almost, there's almost no way that the PS4 won't be the, to use their own word, the, the definitive edition of that game. 
just because the, the Xbox One version was damn near broken. Right. The PC version works better but still has problems, and they have a damn near a year between the PC version and the PS4 version. Makes sense. Of course, the PC version will still look better, but... Yeah, well, that's as just... Far as, <laughs> <laughs> as far as content and playability, the PS4 is going to wind up being the best version. Right. Well, I mean, we're, we're like I've always said, the console wars are always dictated by the games that always end up having the most benefits. In terms of that, I mean, most of the shit that's out there is pretty much multi-platform, excluding, obviously, you know, Uncharted... Gears, Halo, Street Fighter now, you know, and a couple of others, but everything else, you know? No, a lot of these, I mean, a lot of the games that you see me review, even though I only have a choice of PS4, and that's why it's always PS4, a lot of these games aren't on Xbox One. Yeah, I just I just also think that, you know, and, and this goes back to what we talked about, and this is a year or two ago now, you know, um, you know, the the... the the appreciation of the Japanese audience. You know, J- J- Japan's going to support PlayStation through and through, and we've seen that with the numbers. The numbers definitely don't lie. So I feel that more of those, you know, Japanese-style games are going to become more accessible on the PS4 just because of the comfort level in that system, you know, and the belief in that product. But even if you just pull up the um, the games tab on... on, on um rageworks with the exception of uh, the most recent article most of these games aren't even made by japanese companies yep those are those are more indie developers i guess i guess indie guys like like the ps4 too i mean you know can't can't knock that you know so i mean my my you know support of the ps4 comes from the fact that there's just more games for it and i feel that the um the PS Plus system works better than games for gold, but that that is that part that last part is heavily opinion. The games part is pretty much fact. But I mean the the quality of the games is of course in the eye of the beholder. So yep. to anyone that feels that there are better games on the Xbox, I mean, I think you're crazy personally, but that's you know, that's your thing and hey, it's your money too. Well, you know, you know what it is, man. I think that there are better each system, and and again, I say I say this, and we'll use this to kind of put this to bed, um, to close it out. I say that with regards to the consoles themselves, it becomes a matter of exclusives and personal preference. Some people like the controller of the PS4 better, so you know, you're not gonna go and buy an Xbox One if you like the control scheme of the PS4, and there's. And, and and you've you've heard me say this before the five or six game rule, you know I didn't I don't buy a console till I see at least five or six games I want to pick up. Look how long it took me to buy to pick up a Wii U, and um, again that's just my strategy. I don't I don't tell people to use that as their as their measuring stick. But again it it, it becomes personal preference and what games, especially exclusive ones, you're going to be picking up. I mean for me I knew a PS4 had to be picked up for Uncharted. For God of War, uh, Street Fighter Four, when it was announced as an exclusive, those those three series titles alone, I was like, "Yep, got to pick up a PS4 for that." On the Xbox One, I still play Halo, I still play Gears. Um, you know, I I play enough titles on there. I like playing the Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed games, ugh, the Assassin's Creed series on the Xbox only because all the saves 
from all the previous games I've played always unlock shit in the new ones. So, you know, I kind of, I just, I just kept going in, in, in regards to that. But again, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where personal preference will be, uh, the end all be all. That's, that's, that's the truth. I mean, I will admit, you mentioned the controller. That's one thing the Xbox definitely wins in because that, that elite controller, if you got 150 Oof. bucks, that elite controller is crack up. city, dude. Oh, crack city. Like, my wife bought it for me. <laughs> you know, my wife bought it for me. I told you about that uh, for the holidays only because that $150 price tag was definitely not my uh, cup of tea, so to speak. But she, she deemed it gift worthy and bought it for me. And I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's really fucking nice, dude. <laughs> It's like it's like rich Corinthian leather. Yep, exactly, dude. It it, it it like I said to myself, had they made that the controller at launch and maybe tacked on an extra fifty or hundred bucks, nobody would have fucking batted an eye. Nope, nope. And I'm gonna say this as somebody who's saying right now they prefer the PS4, and I really wish that Sony would listen. I wish. Hell, no, actually, you can't because he passed away, but. Um, Whoever is running Sony right now, running the PlayStation division, the DualShock 4 is a piece of shit. <laughs> the design is nice. I love the touchpad. I mean, I love the DualShock design. I'm not saying to change the design. Right. But, hell, I mean, I have my DualShock 3s. The freaking grips on the, on the controllers are freaking 10 years old right now. They're still there. Right. The grips on the on the analog sticks for the DualShock 4 are barely two years old, and they're falling off. Mm. The rubber grips. Right. Plus, the freaking, and this is pretty much somewhere between 75 to 95% of anybody who regularly plays on a PS4. Tell me if I'm wrong. Your, your R2 button is broken. Uh, it still works. Not mine, but, but okay. It's broken. Well, you don't play on... That's why I said people who regularly play on right. the PS4. Right, right, right. I will attest, my shit works. <laughs> it's physically broken. Like, the spring inside snapped. You have to take the spring out, and then it works fine. Right. But you can feel the difference. Gotcha. Well, it's like, can y'all make a, a DualShock 4 that's, you know, lasts? Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be nice if they did an Elite-style DualShock 4 with, you know, interchangeable triggers. You know, maybe make the trigger shorter or longer. You know what I mean? Like, that would be cool. Yes, it would, but I don't even need that. I just need a DualShock 4 that doesn't fucking break. True, but think about it. If you have replaceable triggers and all that stuff, if something were to break, it's a lot It's a lot friendlier to repl- to fix, you know? Well, it depends on what breaks. It's the inside parts that are breaking, not, not the actual trigger. The trigger itself is fine. The outside of the controller is fine. It's the insides that are breaking. Ah, okay. All right. Well, there you there you have it. If someone from Sony is listening, please make a new DualShock controller so Slick <laughs> Slick can stop shedding tears of rage every time he hits the R trigger on his controller. But it's um, like, go ahead. You think about it. Most of the really good games for PS4 involve that button. Right. And that's I broken. No, I understand. The um. I wanted to kind of, you know, bring this full circle to close things out. I know you had mentioned Street Fighter V uh, earlier on in the segment. Uh, Capcom Unity published a new blog um, 
not only acknowledging their March update, but also informing us that we will be that Alex will become a playable character uh, in in this next update. Obviously, you're going to get that. You're going to get uh, new challenges, the in-game store, larger battle lounges, um, and obviously, as I said, Alex. You're going to get the challenge mode, which is going to have uh, demonstrations and tutorials. You're going to have beginner tutorials for those that want to get a little better at the game, as well as intermediate tutorials and advanced tutorials. There's also going to be 16 individual uh, lessons for each character. There's going to be 16 lessons covering each individual character, and they're also going to have combo trials for each character, which if you complete will earn you extra fight money. Of course, the in-game shop is going to allow you to take that fight money and spend it to purchase extra game content such as DLC characters and story mode costumes. Uh, You're also going to have an online rematch mode um, where you can play a two out of three set ranked match as long as both players accept the rematch. Uh, They're going to improve the battle lounge and allow an eight-person lobby complete with match speculating. And, of course, there's going to be some bug fixes and balance changes as well as part of the March update. There is not a specific launch date yet, but it will be coming in March. Uh, Definitely a welcome addition to uh, the Street Fighter V game. As I said in previous episodes, if you are getting... On the fence about getting Street Fighter Five, now's the time to consider picking it up with that March update. Thoughts? So so far, what they said they were going to do was bullshit. Because one of the big things they said they were going to do, since the the game is so heavily centered around the online, right, is they're supposed to be setting up some kind of punishment for the rage quitters. Oh yeah, the rage quit punishment is still something that's being enforced, but in terms of what was released regarding the update, these are just enhancements to the game. The rage quit thing is definitely still on the table because everyone's talking about that. Well, they need to announce something because that that shit is more rampant than picking Ken was in Street Fighter Four. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't fallen victim to the rage quit yet and that's only because I've been playing non ranked matches just to kinda of get more comfortable playing. Um, just playing non-ranked stuff, you know, a little, I guess, sparring, if you will. Um, you know, it was fine. Like I said, it's been okay. Um, my stance on it has adjusted as I knew that the update was coming. Uh, we'll see what happens now with the challenge mode and the in-game shop. Uh, the online rematch option is kind of cool because sometimes you play somebody and it's a close fight and, you know, you lose and you're like, damn, I had a really good fight with that person. And you could try and set up a rematch and hope for the best that you'll get that person again. But most times that doesn't happen. I definitely think the online rematch option is very cool. And I think it'll allow to build uh, better better online relationships. If you play with somebody who likes playing with you as well, I think it's just a nice way to kind of expand on that a bit. So I definitely am, am pumped to hear that they're doing something about that. I just wonder what they're doing about like some of the cheaters, I'm not even talking about the rage quitters, some of these cheaters, like there's a video where Daigo encountered a guy who, it even says it in his freaking name, basically has like a mechanical assistance on the game. I don't right. even know what the hell that means, but if you watch the video, you can tell. Like a lag switch? From the way the characters, no, not even a lag switch. You can tell from how the character's moving. It's like, a human being doesn't play like that. Hmm, interesting. 
I, I feel like, that I'll, I'll put the I'll find them. I'll put the video up in the in the um the group. Yeah, please do. Like you'll you'll see what I mean. It's just the movement was just it literally was robotic. Like hmm. interesting. And it's like the um the rank on that character was so high. I don't Daigo somehow managed to beat him, but whatever. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely would love to see that video. As I said. Uh, for people that were on the fence about picking it up, this was definitely one of the updates that I was hoping would be would would have some more. You know, they would elaborate on, and they definitely have. I think it'll add enough things that will you know make the game more appealing upon purchase. Uh, like I said, the in-game shop is nice because you can finally start using that fight money and picking up some stuff, which is cool. Uh, the addition of Alex, it's fine. I've never. I've never been a big Alex player, even in the Street Fighter three days. So for me, you know, it's a take it or leave it sort of affair. But the addition is nice. I'm never course, down by Alex. I want my jury. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. You know, um, if you saw seen the story mode, I I have a feeling that most of the characters we're seeing in story mode are going to be part of the game. You know, like Jury, um, C Viper, uh, the guy who's the uh, the manservant for. Um, What's his name? You know who I'm talking about. Sukarin? No, 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 no. The other man servant, the guy who travels with uh, Rashid of the Turbulent Winds. Oh. That big genie-looking dude. <laughs> I think I think that guy is going to be playable, man, only because he's so prevalent in his story. And he's a big fucking dude. I'm like, I'm, like, nice. I'm like, I have a feeling that guy is going to become a playable character. As long as the fight money system is good enough where... Pretty much anybody that puts in a decent amount of effort can make enough money to buy the characters they want. Oh, yeah. All the characters characters you're going to be able to purchase. One of the other things I noticed, too, if you fight in the the boss stage with the four four kings, the the statues in the back change because one on one version of the stage, I saw it was Fang, Bison, Vega, and Balrog. And then on another version of the stage, and I, I unless unless I I was looking at it wrong, it looked like it was Sagat and you know the the other three guys as usual. So it made you wonder. I'm like, are those th- are those three guys? You know, those other two characters obviously going to be part of you know the season pass or you know DLC in the future. They have to add Sagat. I exactly. Mean, That's what I mean. A lot but, of people are mad that he's not there now. Well, you know what it is? Sagat Sagat's character and you know, uh, wrestling term, uh, I kind of feel he had a face turn in the last game. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, the replacing him with a new character, like I felt Fang was going to be his replacement and Sagat was going to be a face going forward, you know, because he, he's a, you know, quote-unquote pure warrior. But um, I, I would have thought it would have been a great opportunity for them to bump up Adon as, as a Sagat replacement for Shadaloo. But obviously... Uh, Fang is the the replacement that they had in mind. I like Fang. He's insane. He's uh he reminds me of a character that you'd expect to see in Big Trouble in Little China. Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Like I'm like, yo, shouldn't shouldn't Jack Burton be throwing a knife at you, fucking low pan looking motherfucker? <laughs> I hate that character. That's just I hate fighting him, but I like him. Yeah, I just ugh. anyway. Um, aside from that, I, that's, uh, the last bit of gaming news to wrap things up. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Nah, I'm, I'm gamed out for the week so far. 
There you go. All right, brother. Thank you for the assist. I will forward Actually, you. Um, the one thing I do want to add is that after the show's over, I'm going to be uh, streaming Just Cause 3, the Sky Fortress DLC. Nice. All right, guys. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, when Slick streams that, obviously links for that will be on Rageworks and all our social media channels. All right, man. Appreciate the assist for this week, brother. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye, right, brother. All right. That was our very own Slick helping us on the gaming segment for this week. Let us switch gears and jump into the entertainment segment to wrap things up for the evening. All right, so... I have a, a whole list of stuff I want to get into, but I do got to talk about the Civil War trailer that dropped today. Got to put it on Rageworks. Just was super busy in the in the real world today. But um, really crazy trailer. Definitely made me excited for, for May. Really pumped. Everything about it looked awesome. Uh, all the action sequences, the Spider-Man reveal, which I'm going to be honest, I would have preferred they not reveal it. Maybe they could have just only shown like the webs or something and not do anything crazy only because it's become one of those situations where there's no surprises anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was cool. Everybody was talking about it. It was a good way to give Marvel some press, which again, you can't ignore, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been mad if they wouldn't have shown Spider-Man. I mean, we saw black Panther. We've seen crossbones. Saving Spider-Man for the movie would have just, it would have been cool, you know, just to see that. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I would have personally preferred. But overall, that trailer was fucking awesome. Definitely can't wait for May to go see it when it hits theaters. Anyway, moving on to the news of the week. A couple of months back, we were talking about the possibility that they were going to be remaking Death Wish. Uh, Originally, they were looking at director Joe Carnahan to uh, do the film, and they had some other individuals as well in line for that. But it looks like Paramount and and MGM are looking once again to try their hand at the Death Wish remake. Uh, Right now, they are looking at Bruce Willis to fill the iconic role, Um, which, again, it's one of those things where Charles Bronson pretty much made that role his own as Paul Kersey. Uh, but it looks like the new version with Bruce Willis obviously will bring the story into a more modern setting. But the original Death Wish, man, I mean, I was born in 1980. The film came out in 75. I think I watched it the first time. I want to say I was 88, maybe 89, and it was fucking amazing. Even now, to this day, that movie is, I, I mean, it's an homage to, to the more to the more darker side of New York, but still... It was it was a tremendous movie, and I'm curious to see if Bruce Willis can bring that same energy uh, that Charles Bronson brought to the role. Uh, once we get some additional information about the film, we will definitely be sharing it with you guys. Even though Spider-Man is showing up in the Marvel Universe, Sony Pictures has not closed the door on some of Spider-Man's other villains, and it looks like they're going to be moving forward with a Venom film, the Hollywood Reporter is saying that the Sony Studio, uh, Sony Studios is going to be moving forward with the uh, anti-hero version of Venom. Um, 
the film is going to be unconnected to the Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and will be set in its own universe, which I think it is a stupid idea for Sony to do that. Once again, and I've said this before, we need to continue to reinforce and adapt every Marvel property to exist in the confines of the same universe. If it can be done in the books, it should be done on screen. And this is for all the characters. I'm, I'm talking X-Men, Fantastic Four, everything. Even if they are opted out to other studios, it, they Marvel should have a, you know uh, the ability to utilize those characters in their films, whether it's with the actors or even acknowledging their existence. It should be fair game. I think that if Sony's going to move ahead with a Venom film, then whoever is is playing Venom in that film uh, should be an actor who is agreed upon by both Sony and Marvel, and they can then utilize that actor in other films and other stories should they choose. I think that continuing to separate these properties and distance them from each other is a bad idea in my opinion. I feel that there's so much more that can be done, especially with Spider-Man's mythology, uh, you know, taking Norman Osborn, making him head of Hammer, putting him against S.H.I.E.L.D., which has happened in the books, uh, creating the Dark Avengers. There's so many stories that can be done uh, on the big screen if they would just stop having dick measuring contests between each studio and decided to work together. At the end of the day, everybody's going to get paid. Whether Wolverine shows up in a, in, a, in, a, in a Marvel film or Spider-Man shows up in a Fantastic Four film, at the end of the day, everyone will benefit from a unified universe. I mean, even the, the street-level heroes from the Netflix series, Marvel has already said you know, that there's, there, there's going to be an opportunity for us to see those characters on the big screen. Whether they opt to go that way or not, at the end of the day, they're all playing in the same sandbox. And I feel that Sony is just shoot, is just shooting themselves in the foot by not playing ball with Marvel. That's all I'm saying. In some other news, the rumored crossover between 21 Jump Street and Men in Black looks to be moving forward. Uh, originally, we discussed it during the leak uh, that happened back in 2014, but it looks like Variety... Uh, got some news that James Bobbin will be directing the film that will see the two franchises merge together. As of right now, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum are slated to reprise their roles as Jenko and Schmidt, but we don't know if Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones will be involved, but this may be a good opportunity to introduce two new leads for the Men in Black universe, or who knows, maybe 21 Jump Street's uh, Jenko and Schmidt are going to try and sneak into Men in Black. Who knows, but the crossover looks like it will be moving forward. Don't have a release date yet, but as soon as I get one, I will share it with you guys. On the box office side of things, Zootopia came out of the gate with an impressive haul, earning $73.7 million to take the number one slot this past weekend. London Has Fallen came in at number two. Deadpool Holding on in the top five came in at number three, earning an additional $16.4 million and breaking its $300 million haul uh, with a grand total of $311.2 million. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot came in at number four. Gods of Egypt was number five. Risen was number six. Kung Fu Panda 3 was number seven. 
already cleared $100 million with a $133.8 million total thus far. The Revenant still in the top 10 at number 8. Eddie the Eagle was number 9, and The Witch came in at number 10. On the home video side of things, the top 10 Blu-ray sales uh, for the week ending March 6th, uh, Creed came in at number 1, knocking off The Good Dinosaur, which moved down to the number 2 slot. The night before was number three. Spectre was number four. Spotlight was number five. The Martian was number six, which is a great reference DVD or Blu-ray to pick up. Uh, Room was number seven. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was number eight. Legend was number nine. And Black Mass rounded it out in the number 10 slot. In addition to that, uh, 3D Blu-ray saw a nice little bump with Avengers Age of Ultron still holding on to the number one slot in 3D followed by Ant-Man, The Martian, Mad Max Fury Road, and Jurassic World 3D. I got to tell you, Age of Ultron in 3D is definitely a sight to look at, but The Martian and Mad Max Fury Road are definitely two of the best 3D Blu-rays I've seen in quite some time. In addition to Spider-Man showing up in Civil War, there were some casting announcements for the upcoming Spider-Man reboot uh, in partnership between Sony and Marvel, uh, singer-actress Zendaya has joined the cast. As of right now, it looks like she may be playing the character Michelle, uh, which may be Michelle Gonzalez from the comics, who was a love interest for Peter Parker at one point. As of right now, uh, the film is going to be directed by John Watts, and Tom Holland, of course, will be playing Spider-Man. It will be hitting theaters July 7th, 2017. Obviously, Holland will be making his debut in Captain America Civil War. J.K. Simmons, who many of you loved as J. Jonah Jameson in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, was the subject of a petition to have him play Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man reboot. But unfortunately, uh, he is now taking his ball and heading to D.C. to play the role of Jim Gordon in Justice League Part 1. Of course, uh, the Jim Gordon role has been played by numerous great actors, including Pat Hingle, in the Tim Burton Batman films, Gary Oldman, of course, in um, you know the Christian Bale Batman, and Ben McKenzie currently on the small screen in Gotham. But um, I think J.K. Simmons is a good actor to play James Gordon. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him back in there as J. Jonah Jameson, but I think he is definitely going to be a solid Jim Gordon in the DC Universe, that's for sure. So congrats to J.K. Simmons for once again becoming an iconic character in a comic film. On the small screen side of things, we got two crazy things to discuss. The first, obviously, not so crazy, is AMC announcing that they will be giving Into the Badlands a second season. Um, I really enjoyed the first season of Into the Badlands. I thought that it was a cool story. A little overblown in some points, but I think that there were definitely some really good, compelling characters there. And... um, They're going to have a 10-episode second season, which is scheduled to premiere next year. Uh, Looking forward to that. As I said, Into the Badlands was pretty solid. If you have the AMC app or On Demand, try and check it out. If you enjoy uh, Kill Bill, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, films like that, you definitely want to give Into the Badlands a go. Now, the next bit of small screen news are definitely in the what the fuck variety, and that is the casting announcements for Sharknado 4. Yes, Sharknado 4 is happening. It will be debuting on Sci-Fi 
in July. Of course, Ian Ziering and Tara Reid will reprise their roles. Also, David Hasselhoff will be coming back. And um, a couple of additional casting additions, including Gary Busey, who is going to be playing Tara Reid's character's father. Uh, he will be playing Wilford Wexler. Uh, Tommy Davidson from In Living Color and Black Dynamite will also be there. And a host of other characters. And I'm sure there will be a ton of celebrity special appearances. In any case, Sharknado 4 will be taking place five years after Sharknado 3. Again, uh, keep an eye out for that in July on the Sci-Fi Network. In some Tomb Raider movie news, I know that we've been talking about it on and off for the last couple of months that a Tomb Raider reboot was imminent. Uh, It looks like they are going to be going with the younger version of Lara Croft that has been the star of the recently rebooted Tomb Raider games. And there's a rumor that Daisy Ridley, who has done, you know, whose star has been on the rise after her work in Star Wars, will is being considered for the role of Lara Croft. Of course, the original role of Lara Croft was played by Angelina Jolie in Tomb Raider in 2001 and later on in Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life in 2003. Uh, This new film series will take inspiration, as I said, from the new games, utilizing a younger Lara Croft. I think that Daisy Ridley is a uh, a great, a great actress for that role. I think that she did such a great job as Rey that I'm curious to see what she brings to the table as Lara Croft. As of right now, uh, it's one of the names that's being considered and it is not the definitive casting for that. But of course, once I hear any more with regard with regards to the Tomb Raider reboot, I will share it with you guys. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about Lethal Weapon heading to the small screen, and we already know that Damon Wayans will be playing the role of Roger Murtaugh, but they were still looking for an actor to play the iconic role of Martin Riggs. Of course, played originally uh, by by the always memorable Mel Gibson. Well, it looks like they have found their Martin Riggs for the film. The actor is Clayne Crawford, uh, who was in the show Rectify. He's going to be playing Martin Riggs, of course, in the Fox reboot of the Lethal Weapon series. As I said, uh, Damon Wayans will be playing Roger Murtaugh, which was originally played by Danny Glover in the films. Also in the cast are Jordana Brewster, Golden Brooks, Kevin Ram. Uh, Matt Miller wrote the script, and McGee will be directing the pilot. Again, we don't have an air date yet, but Lethal Weapon is heading to Fox sooner rather than later. In addition to Lethal Weapon, we are seeing the return of another iconic character to the small screen. Not on network television, though, but on Amazon. And that character, ladies and gentlemen, is The Tick. If you guys remember, The Tick had two series, one was an animated series that aired in 1994 and then they ended up doing a live action series afterwards with Patrick Warburton in 2001 I believe and um, that of course was canceled but the animated series was definitely a cult classic for yours truly well it looks like Amazon and Sony Pictures TV have ordered a pilot for a new series based on the tick and um, it's going to be a brand new live action show it's going to have an all new cast um and Patrick Warburton is scheduled to be on board as an executive producer. Um, ben Edlund and Barry Josephson are also involved. Edlund will write the pilot. 
Uh, definitely interested in seeing that as somebody who has Amazon Prime Video. I will definitely be checking it out. I thought that the live-action version of The Tick uh, didn't get enough time to be, you know, to establish itself out of the gate, but the animated series definitely is iconic. Uh, looking forward to seeing that when it debuts on Amazon. As soon as I get an air date, you know I will share it with you guys. Last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up is of the small screen variety. It looks like the Powerpuff Girls reboot will be heading back to TV in April. As a matter of fact, Monday, April 4th, it will be premiering with back-to-back episodes at 6 p.m. Uh, through April 15th. After, after April 15th, it will be moving to Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, starting April 21st. So if you've been... Uh, keeping an eye on the development of the Powerpuff Girls reboot, know that you can start checking out the series beginning Monday, April 4th. All right, guys, that bit of news is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week. And with that, we are going to wrap up the show as well. I've given you my take on gaming and entertainment. I would love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. You can also follow us on Twitter, Rage underscore Works, or at MyTakeRadio. You can also look for us on Instagram, Snapchat, Google+, Pinterest, which uh, pretty much every social media outlet, including Tumblr as well. Uh, look for us there. And uh, this episode, along with any of the others, are available in archive format in both audio and video. For audio, you're going to get it in podcast format within 24 to 48 hours. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, on RageWorks.net. Video archives are going to be available on our two YouTube channels, MyTakeRadio TV, which is exclusively all MyTakeRadio episodes, and on RageWorks.net, which is going to have not only episodes of MyTakeRadio, but product reviews, movie trailers, unboxings, and a host of other stuff as well. As always, if you would like to be involved with MyTakeRadio, either as a guest or as an advertiser, you can email me, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. We're always looking for talented individuals. If you're interested in possibly writing for Rageworks or working with MyTakeRadio in a capacity outside of advertising, you can fill out our form on rageworks.net. All right, guys, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR and Rageworks team, I will see you guys next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for the gaming and entertainment edition. Oh, not even. (laughs) For the MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Thanks for joining us. Peace. That's all, folks.